1: What's up everybody and welcome to episode one eleven. That's one 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 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, I and mean, for the first time in a while actually I have this guest on the podcast. What's going on, Gruff?
0: Man, I'm doing well. It's been a it's been, been a while and I'm happy to be back.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's my fault that, that it's been too long, and uh, I should apologize for uh, last week's audio quality. It was not me, of course. If you listen to the podcast, thank you for trying to listen to the podcast. It was really really good uh, content from Grant and Eric. Just tough to listen to at times, and I appreciate those guys sort of bailing me out. But it's nice to be back in the in the home studio with reliable internet, and hopefully it sounds better on the pod today. But uh, sort of a weird week for the Braves in a lot of ways. They were uh, everybody was riding high after five straight wins and a sweep over the hated Mets. And then they came home, uh, sold the sold the park out on Friday night. It was rocking. And then they lost three in a row to the Giants in sweet fashion. So uh, how was your emotional level uh, over the last couple of days? Because I don't everybody else was kind of high and low. Well, it's a good thing Alec Hansen
0: is an elite player in Major <laughs> League Baseball because he just went to town on us, man. Like It, it was unbelievably frustrating because I expected so much more. But, you know, young team, can't get too frustrated, just got to – you're gonna have spells like this. Just gotta get through it,
1: for sure. And listen, I, I think it's interesting to note that like the Braves didn't play well at all in these three games. But at the same time, a lot of uh, BABIP luck from the Giants, yeah. especially. I think that I think they, they finished somewhere like the 480 range in terms of Babbitt for a three game series, which isn't like completely insane, but it's pretty nuts. Uh, especially, you know, I thought Sunday as we record this, I thought Soroka was actually pretty good and kind of just got Babbitt to death. Uh, You know, lost some pretty lopsided games Friday and Saturday. You know, Fulton A, which was kind of a mess. McCrunkie was kind of a mess. So those were pretty lopsided games. But Sunday especially felt like a game the Braves probably could have won uh, and had a chance to hang into if they were not sort of unlucky in the way that uh, especially Soroka got dinged around. So I'm not like rage up off the building or anything anything like that. You know, they're still 19-14, and still in the division lead. I think it would have been more fun to record the podcast like Friday morning after the (laughs) uh, five-game winning streak. But – I'm also not raging about the building like everybody else is. I think uh, Twitter's been a lot of fun to monitor the last three days, especially the last two after some losses. It's been kind of ugly. Um, but And uh, it sort of bridges into our first sort of topic on the podcast, That is Jose Batista making his debut. Um, non-coincidentally, just kind of right, right in the middle of the, uh, of the switch to losing, and I think it's been pretty funny to watch a lot of uh, – non Batista fans uh, blame him and uh, what people have coined as team chemistry, quote-unquote, issues for the sudden loss. Uh, that's obviously pretty insane. Um, but what, what did you make of Batista coming up before it happened, and what have you seen from him so far? I
0: mean, he's pretty much what you expect him to be. He's, I don't I don't think he should start. You know, he's a fantastic bench, bench bat. You know, he's exactly what you want. You got power, you got walks, he's going to get on base, he's going to run, he's going to hit the ball really far. Fantastic bench bat, but with Swanson going down... You got to make do, and, you know, you move Camargo over to short. I was a little surprised Flaherty didn't take some more starts, but, you know, Bautista was was perfectly fine. He was perfectly capable uh, at filling in at third, the whole team chemistry thing. I've seen people melt down on Twitter, and I just laugh at that. No, we didn't lose three games because Jose Bautista started at third, and Ryan Flaherty was sitting on the bench like, let's just be real. You guys got to calm down a little bit. It has to do a lot, uh, you know, with pitching. Like, we just didn't execute, you know, on the mound. And that's exactly what happened. But I thoroughly enjoyed Twitter this this weekend. You know, I hated the games. Enjoyed Twitter, watching people saying, oh, it's Jose Pantese is the reason we lost three games. Like, okay, you guys just need to calm down a little bit.
1: It was was pretty funny, to be honest, just overall. Uh, We should say that he reached base five times, his 12 plate appearances over the weekend, so pretty pretty solid there. Not too much to sort of react to. I said this before it happened as the news sort of broke that he was going to come up and start at third base. I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge believer in Bautista. I, I understand the signing completely because it was zero risk signing, and I'm okay with him playing, frankly. I just don't expect too much. I think people were really, really upset, and it's probably the same people that are probably too high on Ryan Flaherty and even Juan you know, yeah. Um, But, I mean, I guess before the Swanson injury – it would have been a little bit more controversial, obviously, to bring Mathis up and start. Up. I still had no problem with it then, but as soon as Swanson goes down, like it makes even less sense to be mad about this. Just play Camargo at shortstop every day until Swanson comes back, and and give Mathis some bats. I'm I, I'm fine with him playing a lot. I do think, as you kind of do, if the Braves had a better third baseman, I would be more worried about this. But for me, like mm-hmm. give him give him a chance, and there's no downside really. I think if he's if he's bad, they'll probably notice that pretty quickly you know, and I, get him out of there. <laughs>
0: I love Camargo in the super utility role. I think he absolutely deserves to, you know, maybe not start every single game, but, you know, take, take spot starts around around the diamond. He's perfectly capable of playing pretty much any position outside of, like, catcher and pitching. Um, and then Bautista, like, the, the whole idea of having Tucker and Bautista coming off the bench is kind of... It's a fantastic idea. You have legitimate power with high walk rates coming off the bench, and I would, I don't know, I, I see a lot of people critical of it, but I, I think it's the right move to do, actually. You know, you have Flaherty coming, you have Flaherty on the bench. Okay, well, let's, let's exactly, let's, let's think about this. Yeah, with, the right roster, <laughs> with the roster currently how it is, I think Camargo should start at third, then Flaherty, Tucker, and Bautista off the bench. I think that's probably, you know, the most versatile, and I think Camargo has the most consistent bat out of all four of them. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I see a lot of people critical of Bautista. I I don't get it. I think he gives you exactly what you want. He will walk a whole bunch and he'll hit the ball really far, and that's exactly what I want off a of bench bet.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think it's it's people that are too high on Camargo. Frankly, usually I mean, and the Flaherty thing. He's already cooled off a lot, and I think. People look at his season long numbers still and think he's better. He's been better than he has mm-hmm. been recently. Like there was that was always going to calm down. I think we ever, I think we all knew that. I just mm-hmm. you know I, again if Batista suddenly is just terrible, um, they'll probably play him less or not at all. But I'm with you. I think in a vacuum, I probably trust Camargo more because of the defense more than anything. I think Batista's going to mm-hmm. be bad defensively. That's pretty clear. He's going to have to hit a lot in order to justify playing every day, and I wouldn't be banking on him playing every day. But listen, if he's, if he if he hits like he's at least theoretically capable of hitting then sure play him and if he doesn't if he cools off and just is an ordinary what you think he would be at whatever he is 38 years old like yeah bench bat bench bats galore him and tucker especially be your primary pitch hitters and you know go go to town with that it's it's totally fine and the um obviously it's worth saying again the team chemistry thing is just kind of funny i understand (laughs) sort of the theory behind it just because people are like you know the braves are hot why would they change things now i'm like okay i get that but at the same time, the reason the Braves were hot was not necessarily Ryan Flaherty over the last few weeks. Like Ryan Flaherty's really cooled off. Camargo is fine, but he's been—he's the same guy he's always been. So, yeah, I have no problem with it. It's not Batista's fault, and we should at least, <laughs> while, while making fun of those people, always try to talk through it a little bit, as, as we just did. But the
0: the idea of a manager is supposed to put the best team on the field, and you. Flaherty should not be starting, like no. s- just straight up, period. Because the the potential for Jose Bautista with his bat is like, let's be fair, probably infinitely times higher than than Flaherty. At oh yeah, third. I mean,
1: Bautista could theoretically like post a, like an eight fifty OPS for the season. That would not blow me away at all. Yeah, yeah. Like he might be batting up at third base where it, like sort of evens itself out a little bit. But at the same time, like he really, you know, he wasn't good last year. But prior to that. I know he's old, but maybe he you know fixes fixes something. They like, clearly saw something in him. I know Athapulus has the previous relationship with Bautista, but if I think you kind of know pretty quickly too. That's that's, that's my whole, my whole thing is play him. I think between Snicker and Athapulus, if he doesn't have it, they're not going to just keep rolling him out there. I don't. Think. Yeah, and
0: and like worst case scenario, maybe you have Flaherty, you know, playing third, and he'll he'll provide better defense. But then he's not going to come close to having anywhere with that potential of like the eight fifty ops like you talked about.
1: No. And Bautista, you know, as I think, as, uh, as Snit- Snit- Snicker was actually saying today on Sunday after the game, the plan is to DH him in AL Park this week. That's perfect. That makes perfect sense. Like you have mm-hmm. him and Tucker. If you want to platoon those guys as DHs, that's totally fine. I mean, it doesn't come down. It doesn't happen all, all that often, but there's enough interleague play where you have uh, some games to play him in a DH role, get him out of, the, and, it, and for that reason, like it was the whole thing about Matt Adams last year. It's like. You know, it's a small thing, but to have like a real live DH capable guy—that's what he is—and Tucker's the same mm-hmm. way. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot more fun this week when he's suddenly hitting uh, as a DH and not having to play third base. You, you can you can play. Well, I guess in this case, it's, it's either Flaherty or Culberson because Camargo's playing shortstop, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to point out, but so he's around, and uh, we should at least bridge that into Dansby Swanson. We talked about him briefly a second ago. You know, he's on the DL now. I'm not terribly worried that the Braves are are either necessarily. They took it. They're taking the safe approach with Dansby. Um, it was kind of funny to watch the world burn with Preston Tucker being optioned. Uh, he, he came back right away. But the Charlie Culberson love fest is something we can discuss here. Uh, Culberson's a guy I've never seen it with. He has a career 46. I'm not making that up. 46 WRC plus. Mm. Uh, he, he's never hit, even hit in the minors. He's like a 700 OPS in the minor leagues in like three, and like 3,000 plate appearances. He can't hit. He cannot hit. He cannot hit. Um, but uh, I guess the question, aside from Swanson, if you're worried or not, which I'm not, but you, maybe you are, if, aside from that, when Swanson comes back, do they move on from Culberson like I would or do I think they're actually considering uh, another option?
0: Can I make a bold claim?
1: Oh yeah, do it. Uh,
0: to everyone worried about Culverston, he will literally always pass waivers. I, I
1: mean, he I can't hit like it's not, I, He's, he's, I he's Daniel Castro. It. It's, what he is.
0: it's fantastic that he can play like that. He's versatile and he can play so many positions. But there are so many of those guys in the minor leagues. Like it's okay. Everyone, calm down. Uh, I think 100% when Swanson comes back, Culverston's the person that's going to be not released, but he'll he'll be uh, designated for assignment. And I mean, they they brought in Phil and, and Gwinnett. Yeah, <laughs> That's Phil the same has guy. a better. Bill Gosson has better potential. And I mean, it's not even like he's a leader or anything like that, but he still has a better bat than Culberson.
1: Yeah, Culberson, like, I do understand the theory. I tweeted about this this week, but I don't understand the theory of Culberson. But when you have, I mean, even Flaherty, but especially Camargo on your roster, you don't need Culberson. Like, it's not. You have
0: three players on this roster that can play shortstop.
1: Yeah, I mean. Especially when yeah, he's throwing throwing the fact that you have Ozzy too that can easily play shorts. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Like they they do not need Culverson.
0: <laughs> Flat no, out.
1: They don't. Um it's not it's not a it's not a personal thing with Culverson. I understand why he's in the majors and he's hung around. And frankly, if he hadn't been on the Dodgers last year, I think people wouldn't necessarily care about Culverson. But um he's the easy, he's the easy option slash cut. Um get him out of here. If if everybody's healthy, he's the easy guy to cut, and I think there's not even really a debate about it. I mean, I understand. The only reason why the Braves optioned Tucker in the first place was, was because of Swanson. Um, if Swanson and, is back and healthy, there's no way they're going to not keep Tucker over Kolbson. The, the whole
0: the whole thing was was pretty ridiculous. Watching everyone melt down. Of course, they're going to option a player instead of releasing someone. Like
1: I don't understand why option, everyone I mean, went guess, absolutely guess, crazy. Yeah, I guess the people that were worried, some of them at least, maybe thought Tucker was out of options. That's the only way that it would make sense I like, get, yeah. if you just didn't process it correctly and you thought yeah. that they were cutting Tucker, which that would have been nuts, obviously. Yeah. But there's no reason not to use a guy's option like he has an option. Use it. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's pretty clear cut, I think, and hopefully Swanson will be back at the end of 10 days and we'll actually see the move and see this team. I mean, for as much as they've been really good so far, they've not, we've not seen the fully healthy Braves. Mm-hmm. really I mean maybe was there one game maybe two games where they were actually fully healthy and I, I guess it's zero with Bautista so like the new version we've not seen the uh the fully loaded Braves team so that'll be interesting when it comes back hopefully that won't be the case with Swanson. is there anything to worry about with Swanson I know it's the, they're describing it as a sore as a sore wrist I haven't seen anything beyond that you know I think they're probably just taking the cautious approach but are you are you worried at all there
0: I think maybe we need to tamper expectations with Swanson I mean what he did early in the season was fantastic, but that's probably not what he is over the course of an entire season. You know, you should you should probably tamper it a little bit. He's going to be pretty, he's going to be good, not great defensively at shortstop. And then, you know, maybe I think I think eight hundred OPS would be pretty pretty solid from him, right? Yeah, I mean eight hundred would be better than I think honestly that he is right yeah, now. Yeah, like seven like seven fifty is probably what I expect from him, and yeah. he was hitting kind of crazy, and I think. People thought he would be like this Francisco Lindor type shortstop, and I think we need to tamper that just yeah, a little that. bit. No,
1: I mean he he cooled off before he got hurt. He's down to a one down to a one ten WRC plus on the season, and, and he's still bad bipping pretty uh pretty high. I think he's probably gonna cool off a little bit more. But you know he's a guy where he needs to walk more. That was the one thing. Um, even even when he was hitting a lot early in the year, he's not been walking as much as he uh, has in the past. If he gets that back to a you know ten percentish walk rate, he'll be fine. I'm not worried about yeah. Swanson at all. I think he's a good player. Uh, he's not going to be the guy who with the 150 WRC plus that he was for the first few weeks of the season, but he's fine. 110 to 115 would be pretty solid out of the oh, him. Oh yeah, give me that all that. day with with, with uh, at least slightly plus defense. Like that's mm-hmm. a that's a that's like three or four wooden player, and that's awesome. Sign me up for that. Um, all right, we can move on. Um, the other big story this week, aside from um, Batista and the uh, team chemistry was uh, Mike Soroka uh, was uh, debuting. I, I wish I, ha- I could have Eric on as, a, as like a drop-in <laughs> caller right now to talk about this. But uh, two starts for Soroka, the second of which on Sunday did not go super well, but he was pretty much up to death on Sunday. I thought he actually pitched pretty well. He was awesome in the opener. And uh, after the game, Snicker said that he's tentatively scheduled for another start. Looks like he's not going to be going anywhere, uh, barring some like implosion or injury. It looks like Soroka's going to be around for the long haul here. And Anibal Sanchez is going to go to the bullpen uh, as a result of that. What have you seen from Soroka? Are you surprised at all? I'm not necessarily surprised, but probably that's because I talked to Eric a lot, and I know you do too, so I was fully prepared for the Soroka experience, but I think people were a little bit surprised about how good he was. Not one bit. Uh, if
0: you want personal, a personal opinion, I saw his first start in Gwinnett, and I went ahead and picked him up in my fantasy baseball league. Me too. I you had him in my keeper league. He's great. It was... He is exactly what... Like, I, I, I am thoroughly impressed with what he does on the mound like i cannot state how impressed i am with him as a human being and him as him as a pitcher you know he's got such a great head on his shoulder he knows exactly what to do in every single scenario i i don't remember seeing a someone what 20 years old that is this capable on the mound and it's just straight up yeah you know he didn't have the most amazing outing tonight Whatever, that's exactly what's gonna happen. He really happen. was he's fine facing though. like he's, he's facing fine. people that are like twelve years older than him. Let's be <laughs> real. He's twenty years old and he's out there like freaking dealing. Like he's incredible, he's gonna be around for a very long time. I thought the whole thing about him potentially going down was complete you know, that that wasn't gonna happen. You don't bring someone up like him. And then for one star and option him back down—that's just not going to happen.
1: No, as, like, soon as, they, as soon as they brought him up, it was unless he just imploded, it was pretty clear they were going to go with him. Um, and if, if all you have to do is uh, put Anibal Sanchez in the, in the bullpen to it's easy decision, accommodate that—it's not really—it's not really a choice. I, this, I don't see it.
0: This three walk performance is going to be like an aberration for him. This is a, probably going to be end up being like the most walks he's going to give up the entire season. That's just how good he is on the mound. You're going to get that high ground ball rate. You're going to get surprisingly a lot of strikeouts, but he doesn't care about that. That's what's great about him is he attacks you. He wants to get induced that weak contact. He wants to go deeper in the count. He wants to go deeper in the game, sorry. And he doesn't, you know, he might not have glamorous, you know, K per nine rates or anything like that. But the, at the end of the day, his ground ball rate is going to be like 50 to 60%. He's going to go seven deep and it's gonna it's just fantastic. He's going to be around for a very long time, and I'm so happy that he's a part of the Braves.
1: Yeah, by the way, this is his walk percentage by level. 2.6%, 3.8%, 5.5%, 5.4%, and 5.8%. Uh, he, he's like a, an absolutely elite control control guy.
0: We out. need, I don't know, He. I don't think he's being hyped up as much as he deserves. This guy is going to be around for a very long time. He's going to be a significant part of the Braves rotation.
1: Yeah, he just he just just never had the strikeout numbers, and that is usually what people look at first. And you know, credit to Eric. I you know Eric Eric's been screaming about Soroka for years, and he looks Mm -hmm. to be very very right about that. So shouts to Eric and uh, Soroka. Again, I'm not worried at all about today. I thought he was better than better than the numbers indicated. And even then, the numbers weren't absolutely terrible. Like he was fine in that game. He got very unlucky on a couple of things. And uh, the first start was probably more. I'm not I'm not expecting him to suddenly you know have an ERA in the twos as a 20 year old, but at the same time like it would blow me that, away if he was bad. I don't think he's be that'd bad. be like
0: nonsense if he was able to do something like that. Yeah, I, I, c- expect, I don't see you know, that for a
1: long-term thing like right now, but you know, give me for this year, I think he could, you know, reasonably have an ERA in the threes for the rest of the season. And that's which pretty would be wild.
0: Incredible. That, yeah. you know, that just be insane to think about someone that young doing, performing at that high level. And you know what? I, I expect that to happen. Yeah. That's I mean, like how much I respect him as a player.
1: Before the season, he was his Zips projection was like 4.2 or something like that in ERA, and he's projected to be like a, like a one and a half win pitcher, which is uh, probably higher than I would be. But like that yeah. says a lot about him because at 20, like Zips is pretty skeptical of guys a lot of the time, yeah, you know, prospects, and like for him to be projected as a legitimately you know quality ish rotation piece at 20 years old is pretty crazy, and he looks like uh-huh. it's actually going to be real. So. Um, yeah, sign me up for Mike Soroka. It was good to have him uh, sort of be welcomed in the midst of uh, – obviously in the midst of the downturn over the weekend. But his first start really helped to uh, sort of create the uh, the buzz even more uh, in addition to, to, of course, Acuna and Albies being incredible, et cetera. But, yeah, Soroka, it's it's uh, it's nice to have you, my friend. Um, another guy I want to talk about, I briefly said this on the pod as sort of my oh. intro to last week's show, but Nick Marcus has been out of his mind, and we've not done a full segment on him. I did not mention that I was wrong uh, so far about him. Obviously, he's been better than I ever thought he could be this year so far. He did uh, have a have a rough day on Sunday. But even with that, he has a 169 WRC plus for the season. He has a 344, 428, 550, 550 uh-huh. slugging Nick uh slash line with uh, a lot more walks than strikeouts. And his bad bips like normal, which is even crazier when you think about – something's different with Marquecas. I'm not expecting this to keep, to keep happening. With him having, the, especially the 550 slugging percentage, but like his launch angle maybe have changed, and like his his ground ball, rate, ball rates way down. Like his peripherals are actually not. Not that they say that this is all the way sustainable, but like something's different here, and that's that's being knowledge because like I didn't see this coming. He's been you know not not horrible or anything for three years, but a guy who's basically been a one win player for the last three seasons is now looking like he's awesome, and it's really weird.
0: It's it's fantastic, you yeah. know. Uh, I've been watching him. I've been looking at all his per- peripheral stats just to see like how it stacks up and if it's sustainable. Yeah, maybe he's not going to. You know, not maybe he's not going to perform at this kind of rate. I mean, the entire like a season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know what you're going to get from Nick Markakis, but there are like considerable changes that you've seen him make, and that's his line drive percentage is way up to almost like 30 percent from where it was. Uh, I want to say it was close to like 20% when he first came on with the Braves and he was hitting like two to three home runs and his five ball rate is not where it was during his like majestic season with the Orioles where he hit 23 home runs. I think it was, uh, but it's gone up significantly since, you know, his first year here, he's creating more, you know, he's creating more backspin on the ball. He's like, he's straight up recognizing the ball better than he ever has. And we can't, you know, you know. You look at him, you 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 think what you know, what you're gonna expect. You can't take any anything away from him because he's performing at a level that you look at everything and it makes sense. Like yeah, you no, look I mean, at all
1: his peripheral stats, and you're like, okay, this is like a three to four win player. Yeah, I've got it up now. Like his line, this is all before Sunday, so keep take just take that for a grain of salt. But his line drive percentage is 27.6%, which is up about six percent from last year. His ground ball rate is, a, is, a, is at a career low level. His fly ball rate is up to where it, almost to where it used to be in Baltimore. Um, obviously, he's been uh, sort of lucky with home run fly ball percentage. Like, it's 16% right now. That's unsustainably high. But, you know, his hard contact rate's up. Like, everything is – not that this is fully real, but, like, he's a different hitter right now. It's not luck. Um, so far I'm sure he's going to cool off to some degree he has been a hot starter in the past as well which is something you have to file away but there are some changes in here that actually make it seem like it could be real he's 34 years old so that's a point of me being a skeptic but look there's been guys around the league that have changed their profiles in the last few years JD Martinez a couple of other guys who just had the third
0: baseman on the Atlanta Braves that had the exact same kind of renaissance
1: yeah I mean it's like people's name when people's profiles have just changed like again I don't see this continuing to this level but he's just been a different hitter than he's been the last three years which you know may culpa I will gladly accept my uh, my hatred towards me if I'm uh, if he's if he's gonna be this good uh, I will gladly be wrong about Nick Marcus to this point in time because I've you know I've famously been killing that since the day he signed the contract like I was and I, by the way I was right until now <laughs> but yeah
0: no you know, it, what's hilarious is, like, everyone is telling people to apologize to Nick Marquez. He's been, like, a one-war player his entire career. Yeah, I mean, 1.4, like, 1.2, 0.
1: 0. 0.7 the last three years. And he's world. got, what, I think he's got, like, a two-war so far. Almost, a, like, worth two
0: wins already this many games in the season no one if you can you know, honestly look at yourself and say hey i expected nick Marcakis to have almost two or through 30 games in the season you're just lying to yourself
1: i mean it's it's funny this is just <laughs> one this is just one metric but fan graphs, like their offensive value metric he's produced more value this year than he has in his uh in his braves career offensively total that's <laughs> and 148 plate appearances coming and again like you, you see that and you think, that's
0: absolutely ridiculous. And then you look at all his peripheral stats and you're like, that totally makes
1: sense. He's hitting the ball harder than he ever has before yep. in a Braves uniform. He does have a career uh, – sorry, a second to career high, Babbitt at 345 right now. But it's not like it's crazy. Like he was – he's a career 317 guy. So that's 25% or so. Yeah, that's not that bad. It's not it's not crazy. Like you expect – if you saw these numbers before Sam, and I just looked at there at the raw slash line – I would be. I would probably guess that he had like a 500 bad bit, and he doesn't. It's you know, it's not like probably in line with what he's done in the past. But if the changes are real and he hits the ball as hard as he has been at a different launch angle than he has in the past, then it could be a real number. So again, like I'm not going to pour too much cold water. I think it's probably just better right now to talk about how awesome he's been because he has been. And the defense is not great still, but he's grading out better than he has. Yeah. Um. There's been a couple of uh, famously bad moments, I will say. But I think on the whole, like, the numbers are treating him pretty well. He's lost a couple of DRS recently, but I think he's down a lot. He's still plus for the season. Like, you know, for, for, today, I mean, for, for today, I will pledge to be positive about DeMarque because he's been awesome so far.
0: On top of that, I can I can tell you it's like an organizational change. I've talked to a couple of players about this whole, you know, the whole new regime with AA and, and embracing analytics and everything. And definitely, they said that they're preaching launch angle because – the highest correlation between, you know, between, um, for, for run score, it is like elevate and celebrate. Right. yeah And, uh, they've definitely, I know it's an organizational philosophy change that they don't care so much about hitting like little singles. They, they want extra base hits. They want you to hit the ball hard. And I don't know how much you can change a long-term veteran. It's like, like Mar- Nick Markakis, but if it is true and they are preaching launch angle, like who knows? Maybe this is a new. I don't know. Like a, I'm not going to say like a new renaissance for his career it or anything could be. like that.
1: That's the thing. But, I'm not saying it is, but it, it actually could be with all the changes. Right, we're seeing so
0: much more power out of this lineup than we ever thought. And how?
1: Like, who am I to say
0: they aren't? You know, they aren't preaching launch angle. They aren't talking about how increasing that that angle and like uh leads to more runs right i I, I don't know
1: i mean again like i don't see him hitting uh having a 550 slugging percentage even even (laughs) with all these changes but if he cools you know even if he cools off quote unquote his his best um ops this is just a pretty standard number um since joining the braves is like i'm looking at it now it's about it's about 750 I think I mean he'd have to really really cool off to go below that at this point. So I think we're uh, it'd be pretty stunning at, uh, stunning if he was not having his best season even completely um, with the Braves since he arrived, and that's that's I, awesome. So
0: I just I also want to say his strikeout rate is like absolutely phenomenal. This is
1: oh yeah. I'm not
0: like, I'm not gonna say Barry Bonds level because Barry Bonds walked at what like forty percent rate or something like that. But he's not striking out at all. It's kind of ridiculous.
1: 13.2% walk rate, 8.6% strikeout rate. That's,
0: that's insane. This yeah, is
1: And again, that's not sustainable either. But this is a guy who actually has really, really good splits and walks strikeout rate in the past. Um, so it's not as crazy as you might assume. Like He's never been a guy that struck out a lot. He's always been a guy that's walked at a reasonable rate, especially in Atlanta. Look at one thing that he's done better in Atlanta than he ever had before is walk. He's walked 10% of the time. Over three seasons, which is very that's good. remarkable, um, wow. and that's why I've always argued that he should be hitting at the top of the lineup. Totally makes sense. Of in the middle of the lineup, but um, this year it's kind of hilarious. For uh, as much as I've crapped on him, him, him hitting cleanup, this player is a cleanup hitter. <laughs> which no, I mean who else are you going to do it? Like I still I don't, don't buy it, and him, and honestly, for. I would still split um, Freeman and Marcus with Suzuki, especially if he's playing. Yeah, it, but or or Batista at this point. But I'm not gonna. I mean. I think people probably noticed this, but over the last couple of weeks, when Marquecas is sitting like this, I'm not going to complain about him any cleanup. Once he cools off, I probably will again, just because it never made sense to me. But maybe Snicker just knew knew, knew this was coming, and maybe he knew that Washington uh, <laughs> was going to change on Marquecas, and he's prescient. I mean, I'm telling
0: you, I, I've talked to a few players, and they straight up have said that launch angle is very important to how they're approaching the season. And it's very evident with how they've they've been producing on offense. Look at Nick Markakis. Look at Ozzy Albie's. Like you can see considerable changes.
1: Yep, it's uh, it's wild. And uh, shout out to Markekis, Um By the way, to the point where we've now seen a couple of things about about the Braves extending him, which I. <laughs> okay do, let's go down <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll leave that for another day and uh he's been awesome so far so hopefully that hopefully that keeps up in the future uh, we can move on from there and talk about uh at least one more thing before we get into a couple mailbag questions uh austin riley is apparently going in triple a uh, our own eric cole um i'm not sure if it was a full-fledged report but he said that he's uh that he was hearing earlier in the day on sunday that uh riley bryce wilson and kyle Mueller were all going to be promoted and then Dave o'brien uh, the AJC, um reported on Sunday afternoon that Riley is going to go to AAA. The other two have not been confirmed at this point, but uh, Eric's usually right on this kind of stuff, and it looks mm-hmm. like uh, Riley's going to in Gwinnett because he was not in the lineup on Sunday at Mississippi, which he normally would have been, obviously. Um, aside from that, that's obviously news in itself, but Riley's been ridiculous, and uh, I will fully cop to the fact that I've been making fun of people about you know the, the notion of blocking Riley for a while. I still think that was silly, but at the same time, he's been really good to the point where, like, He's turning a lot of heads. He's he's 21 years old. He has a 677 slugging percentage this year and 109 plate appearances. It's a small sample, but he's just been mashing to no end. You're more of a prospect guy than I am. What should we take away from Austin Riley right now?
0: Well, first and foremost, like when it comes to prospects, you you never want to just say that you're afraid of blocking someone. You know, yes. I know a lot of it <laughs> had to do with like Manny Machado. You know, best case scenario Austin Riley Compared to Manny Machado, would be like incredible. Like, let's go ahead and throw that away. They are 21 years old. There is absolutely no, no chance. Like, not no chance, but there's absolutely no way you can say that they're going to be this good. Like, let's. I love prospects as much as everyone else, but it's just it's ridiculous to say you don't want to block someone like Austin Riley. He's still 21 years old. Super. I mean, he's not raw anymore. Like, I've watched a lot of him recently because I wasn't 100% sure. He's always been a slow starter to start the season. Uh, he's been a second-half player, and I, that was my biggest thing on him was watching how he would do to start the season. And to, you know, He showed up in absolutely incredible shape. This is the best I've ever seen him uh, since... Well, it's only been three years, but this is the best I've ever seen him show up uh, to start the season. Uh, what is it? He's got a... Yeah, his, his K per- is like K percentage for a slugger like him. Twenty five percent, really not that bad. He's showing he's more than capable. What What is great is the the reports I have from him uh, defensively is he might work harder than literally anyone else in the organization. He wants to stay there. He's going to do everything he can to do there to stay there. And from all accounts, he's he's going to be a long term third baseman for someone his size. That's absolutely incredible. And then he's, um, you know, he's just he's mashing the ball. I thought I actually got into not an argument, but I, I got into a discussion on Twitter about him last week, and I said there's literally no reason for him to be in Mississippi anymore. It just made no sense. He needs to he needs to be able to take that next step and finish and and, and go against that more polished type of uh, pitcher. And I am absolutely thrilled that this is going to happen because this is going to be the like the biggest step for him is is facing the. the the player that can throw the elite heat and then also place it, you know, on the outside. I want to see him go against like elite kind of off speed stuff. And I'm thrilled to see this is going to happen. And I can't wait to see what he's capable of, man. Like he's just, he's impressed me every single time I've seen him and I can no longer doubt. I can no longer say he's not capable of something anymore because anytime I do it, he proves me wrong. And I, I'm I'm ha- I'm like so happy about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm feeling like I'm gonna be wrong on on Riley. It wasn't like I thought he was gonna never be anything, but I was skeptical of him and the profile. You know, defensively was part of it, but the bats just been better than I ever thought it would be as well. I think, um, you know, there were there were the rumblings of his defense uh, improving, and what you said makes a lot of sense. If he's working that hard at it, that makes you know that's instructive. Not that guys don't work hard in general, but there's probably a level you can rise to, and he's still so young that. There's probably more development there than uh, you would have previously thought. Uh, this sort of bridges into a question we got from Jacob Underwood um, on uh, on Twitter. He asked us uh, with Acuna and Soroka in Atlanta now, who is the prospect that you're most uh, that you're most excited about? And he wants to do it in two different categories. Of number one, those guys who could who could debut this this season, and then and then as a second category, guys who could debut in 2019 and beyond. Before I ask you to answer that question, is Riley a guy that could? could Theoretically, land in Atlanta this year. Uh, I think it would be fast, but at the same time, people will keep asking us about his timeline. And I think it's important to talk about now, now that he's now that he's, now he looks like he's going to be in Gwinnett. It's not cra- it's not quite as crazy of a question as it would have been a couple months ago.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't particularly think he's going to be making an impact in Atlanta this season. Uh, I, think, I think they're going to slowly work him up. I w- I would love to see that uh, walk rate go up a little bit for someone that strikes out as much as he does and hits for that much power over at third base. I, I want to see that walk rate go up to... I know this is crazy, but if he can get that right at 10%, I think that'd be incredible, That then then that'd be the next step. But I want to see him play this well over the course of an entire season, which he hasn't done yet. You know, he's always been a second-half player. He started really hot this season. Let's see how he sustains this through over the, throughout, throughout the course of a season. He's always been a high Babbitt player. Which, for whatever reason, is, is not particularly fast, but he is sh- extremely athletic. He had those uh, two. He had a, a fantastic two triple game, and everyone mocked him. And then I watched. I watched. I watched that game, and I watched him run. And the dude is like, he's sneaky athletic. Like this is something. Yes, that's sustainable. Yeah. Yes. No. No. Totally. He <laughs> was flying. He was cutting those corners. Fantastic. This guy knows how to run on the diamond. And I don't know. I don't want to get. I, okay, I need to calm myself down a little bit because I was super excited watching Austin Riley. No, I don't think he's going to make it to Elena this year. Yes, I think he's going to challenge for the starting third baseman third, third base position next year. The end.
1: Yeah, that's not. It's not crazy just because you know he's he's not he's not like it's not like he's 18. He, he's 21. Uh, it's conceivable he could be up for next year, and because there is which
0: like- is. It's still crazy thinking about a twenty-two-year-old manning third base. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a very stressing, stressful position, and to think that he's capable of someone that was once considered a pitching prospect, who's now going to be like, who's rumored not rumored, but well, I guess rumored because I'm starting the rumor, but <laughs> that could potentially play third base next year. I don't know. I'm thoroughly impressed with him as a human being and as a, as a player.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the, I mean, part of it is the fact that Braves don't really have another option that you could pencil in for twenty nineteen third baseman. Mm-hmm. So that opens that, that leaves the door open a little bit. You know, forgive me, Johan Camargo fans. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a long term third base starter for me. So unless you love somebody that in free agency, Riley's going to have a chance, especially if he hits like this. If he if he stays healthy and hits like this the rest of the way in Gwinnett, he may not arrive this year, but they're going to give him a chance. I can't imagine they wouldn't give him a chance in spring to earn the job. Um, they could they could certainly sign over him. There's going to be some free agents that are available. They could make a trade, etc. Like again, I don't I think that the notion of blocking him is probably overstated. But you know, if you have a guy that's with with this profile, like if you post a thousand OPS in Gwinnett, like it might just you be can. A thing. yeah. Like yeah. He, he, I mean, he could come up this year. It wouldn't blow me away. I, I, I'm kind of with you that I'd be surprised. But you get to August, if you get to August or September, and he's hitting the crap out of the ball, and the Braves are still in the race, maybe they bring him up. Um, Especially if Bautista cools off and they have to part ways there. Like it wouldn't, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't shock me. I'm I'm on your side that I think I would predict him not arriving until 2019, but it's not inconceivable anymore.
0: I feel like what's, what's sad is I feel like the need to say that this isn't me, like this doesn't mean that we're low on Johan Camargo. I think Camargo is like perfect in that super utility role. He can literally play every single position outside of center field and then catcher. And I think that's just important to say, you know, I don't know I don't know why, but I feel like if you say Camargo isn't a starting third third baseman, people think that you hate him.
1: No, oh, that, that's, that's not the, the case. case. Yes. People, <laughs> right, right. People really I mean, I always hear that. I think I've gotten the reputation of someone who's super low on him and I think, yeah, it's it's possible versus the consensus. If if the consensus is he's gonna start, he's a he's a full time starter, he's not. I think he's never gonna get enough. Yeah. For me, I don't think so either. He's never going to hit enough to be a starting corner infielder. Like if he was playing second base, I would actually maybe endorse it. But What's, he's not going to be playing second base. <laughs> he's that
0: type of player, kind of like, I mean, best case scenario, like Ben Zobris, who you sign because you have that one need on a t te- on a championship level team. You know, he's not going to blow blow anyone away at any position, but he's going to provide value anywhere he plays, and I think that's what he is.
1: Yeah, and that's, again, not to be critical of Camargo at all, but I just think the door is more open in Riley's case because is isn't yeah, that obvious I agree. guy. Unless um, Bautista matches, and aside from that, it's kind of, uh, it's there. But, I mean, I think we're fairly high on Riley now compared to where I, especially where I was a couple of months ago. Um, back to the question at hand, do you have anybody else that you're uh, excited about seeing this year and then uh, beyond this year? Frosty all right, Dwight? so this
0: year, this year definitely I'm going to have to go with Dustin Peterson, who looks like he's almost completely oh, our- Scott
1: Coleman's guy. Right,
0: right. He's completely over this wrist injury. His, his fly ball rate is getting back up there where he was when he was not an elite prospect, but he was a higher level prospect for the Braves. Uh, his line drive rate is coming back up. He's looking fantastic. On He's looking, well, he's looking pretty solid on the field. He's looking good at the plate. He looks like someone who could, once Nick Marcakis kind of, if he comes down, I don't want to piss anyone off, if, if Nick Marcakis... <laughs> goes back to what he has been the rest of his career or the rest of his tenure with Atlanta. I think Dustin Peters is 100% the person that should replace him. He's he's looking exactly what we thought he would be in a in a and uh, a prospect, which is you know, he's not going to go crazy. He's not going to lead the league in war or anything like that, but he's going to provide a lot of value out of right field. Like period. Yep. And I think uh, the last the last couple of years, you know, he had the whole thing with the car with the bus crash in in Carolina, and he's been working hard to get back to where he was, and it's starting to come together for him. And I'm I'm super excited. I want to see him. I don't, ultimately long term, I don't I don't see him as a starting position player, but on a team such as us, where uh, such as Atlanta and the team we have right now, where we have like a kind of a remarkable amount of depth, I could totally see him taking over a bench spot and having a very long, successful career.
1: Yeah. I mean, he would be my guy as well in terms of 2018 arrival Um, likelihood, at least. I think, you know, there are a couple of pitching guys who could theoretically arrive, whether it be Kyle Wright or whoever else that you want to talk Mm -hmm. about. Um, But I think Peterson's probably more likely. It would definitely take either Preston Tucker petering out or Mark getting traded, I think for him to Mm -hmm. actually come up. Just because there isn't, I mean, maybe September is a different animal. Like, so when when the roster's expanding, I think we'll probably see Peterson regardless. But before then, you're probably not going to carry five pure outfielders. So, you know, all those things. And a lot of that depends on where the Braves are. If the Braves fall out of it, um, Marquez would be a prime trade candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, If the Braves are competing, then they probably want to hang on to him, especially if he keeps hitting. So. Anyway, Peterson will be an interesting guy. Um, who is your guy or two beyond that that you, are su- that you feel like you're probably super high on or that you're uh, excited about?
0: Super excited. I am super excited about one prospect in particular because he's kind of been killing it recently, and that's Tookie Tucson. Uh, every single time I've watched him, he's flashed not only really good, he's flashed absolutely an elite arsenal. And he really seems to be putting that together. I, I tweeted about him a lot today, and I'm trying to stay calm. And it's very difficult <laughs> because the past three or four games, he's been striking out people. You know, he's, he's had like an 11 to 12K per nine rate. He's been walking people at a sub three per, three uh, walk per nine rate. You know, he has that arsenal where I, I watch it, and I'm like, I I don't know who in baseball has something that compete with it, which is like absolutely bonkers to think about. I actually asked I asked an open ended question to see who has an arsenal as deep as Tucson as specialist is, and it was literally like it was like Scherzer, Kershaw, Sale, and like Cindergard, which <laughs> for someone who really absurd, we yeah. we basically traded money for. Because Goslin's back on the Bra- in the Braves organization now. We just like bought him as a prospect, and now he has the he's like really turning. He seems to be turning a corner as a as a prospect. I cannot. I'm trying to tamper my expectations for him, but I am so excited. Like he could be at his absolute best if he reaches his potential. He he's leading. He's battling for the major league. Lead in WAR. Like I don't, I don't see any way that he's not going to be like a top ten pitcher in this league if he reaches his potential. And that's is, why, yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm watching right now. Like the past few, the past few uh, uh, outings for him, I'm seeing it like with my eyes, and like I'm, I'm like watching these, I'm watching these games, and I'm like, Gore, you got to calm down, man. Like calm mm-hmm. down because he's flashing this absolute absurd incredibly heavy fastball with tons of run he's got this incredible changeup that's like just fading away from right-handed batters like they are left-handed batters they don't even have a chance to hit it and then the curveball which is probably one of the best pitches I've ever seen in my entire life and he's got all of this available to him oh and by the way he's like hitting 500 on the season too of course you know that's completely (laughs) that's completely something else but as a yeah, he's got a 191 WRC Which is as a hitter this season. Um, I just I can't I can't rave enough about him and what I've been seeing recently from him because if he's turning that corner with that 2.95 uh, FIP, if he's turning that corner, the Braves got their ace. Like everyone wants to, everyone. I get so many questions on Twitter about who's the ace, like who can be the number one, Tookie Tucson. Tuki Tucson would be an absolute. I have three players in mind, the highest upside players uh, prospects for me: Tuki Tucson, Ian Anderson, and Kyle Wright. Of yeah. those three, Tuki's got the highest ceiling. And oh, he then does. I would, I would go, I would go Tukey, number one, um, Kyle Wright number two, and Ian Anderson number three. I love all three of them. If you ever, if you have MLB TV, I highly suggest you watch any of them pitch because when they're on, and when they're completely on. It's just like it's sexy. <laughs> it's it's just straight up pretty to watch him pitch, and Tukey is hitting that stride right now. And if he continues this, he's going to be in Atlanta next year, and he's going. We are going to have our ace for however long we can retain him. He's a Boris client, so oh, yeah. probably until he's a free agent. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm so glad that you uh, took things so lightly on Tucson. So that's not A <laughs> right? uh, crazy. Taste. I can't. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm
0: trying so hard to tamper my expectations for him, man. But like, I watched every single pitch of that last of that last 10 game outing. You know, Garrett um, Garrett sent me a breakdown too of it, and he 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 broke down every single strikeout he had. And it wasn't like curveball, curveball, curve. No, he was throwing all three pitches, and it was keeping batters incredibly off balance, and no one knew what to expect, and it was just it was something to marvel at and I can't, I really hope I really super hope he's going to continue this run of domination because he'd be like Acuna. He'd be like Alves. He'd be the, he'd be that elite player that we would have uh, on the mound.
1: Yeah. I mean, long time listeners of the pod, I'm sure remember uh, back to the Carlos days when Tuki was always my guy. And then w- the reason why it was what you're saying is that his, his upside was so preposterous. Like it doesn't mean he's going to hit it and like there's there was always there was always some bust potential there in my opinion but at the same mm-hmm. time oh yeah high bust potential but if he hit, if if he hits it like that's it's just tantalizing it's he's sort of the the perfect prospect in that sense and that he may never do anything but if he hits it's going to be nuts and there's excitement in that and it looks like I mean you have have seen him more than I have recently <laughs> especially but I will defer to you on the uh, on the ultimate level here but uh yeah I will like you, everything you said like his his profile if it all comes together, has always been the most ridiculous, in my opinion, of anybody in the entire organization. And it seems like it's still that way.
0: I um I also talked about, you know, the, you saw, did you see the, the Garrett Cole start where the, the 16K one, one hit, hitter. the yeah. absolute domination yes. of every single pitcher in the Braves organization? I think Tukie Tucson has the best chance of, ma- of,
1: of doing that. that? And, yeah. yeah,
0: I totally agree. I don't, think, I don't think it's particularly close. Maybe maybe, maybe Ian Anderson. Might have the second best chance to hit that, but uh, yeah. And and I'm witnessing right now. I'm I've watched it the past three starts, and he's been not that dominant, but he's been like someone that looks like he can do it. And I just he's he's must watch. He's must absolute must watch
1: for me. Yeah, I'm just glad that uh, we're gonna get some uh, people people saying that we were optimistic on a podcast because normally that's my uh, my rap is that I'm too negative. <laughs> so I bring you on well, to just tell the people that Tukey's going to be Clayton Kershaw right handed version. <laughs> And uh, we'll, we'll move on from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, it's I, good. I like it. I'm just super excited because he looks so good. And I cannot wait to see what he's capable of because the dude, yeah, he's, yeah. I, I can't. He is what you dream
1: about as a pitcher. He
0: he is your number one. He is your true ace. He's the guy that gets the ball game one.
1: I'm, uh, I'm in. Just based on that, I'm in. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we've probably done uh, enough on the pod for today, but I do want to ask before we get out of here, uh, what is your sort of baseline level since I haven't on, have, had you on in a while for how sustainable this start is obviously three losses in a row is something, but, uh, you know, preseason, where were you? And then how has your expectation for, for 2018 changed based on that? Cause I think people keep asking, especially about the pitching, um, you know, if this is all, Sustainable because I think the lineup's been pretty awesome and probably is at least closer to sustainable, but the pitching is more of a question mark. So, where are you overall on the rest of the season and what do you see happening?
0: Unfortunately, I think it hinges on, on Fulton Evich. Uh, if we get the faulty of his last start, and if you talk to Garrett, fantastic resource to talk to at Braves MILB, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you the mechanical issues that Fulton had. And if you saw the uh, Pitching ninja, did you see that gif that he dropped?
1: Tipping where the, the tipping pitches, yeah, yeah, so. the
0: tipping pitches, like that's that's huge. And unfortunately, like if the I, I, I'm not going to say the brave season hinges on Folti, but we need him to take that next step in his progression. We need him to be that not dominant, but that consistent starter that's able to give us innings and and um, Put us in a position to win, which unfortunately on Friday he he did not. And he also uh, came up short with the bat and unfortunately had that, the whole crowd turning against him. Uh, I think I came into the season expecting like 73 to 76 wins. Uh, But with Albies, with Acuna up, I I hope to see. I, I actually, I'm probably one of the rare people that like the Jose Bautista on the bench person i think he provides tremendous value w- for us i want to see that um i think best case scenario is is maybe we we got ourselves like surprising like a low 80 to mid 80 win team which is something i would never expect this early i i didn't expect us to to come to get to this position until next year and it it kind of seems like we're there
1: yeah i mean i think i said 76 or 77 for the season um I think I think the playoffs are possible. I would not, I, I would not project that. Wild card too. Yeah, I, I, I would can, not I would uh, not project that you. at all, but like I wrote the I wrote a very very optimistic column for my for me this week and got some uh, <laughs> interesting reaction to that. It was like people thought that I was I was projecting the World Series and uh people didn't read that. They 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 they, they saw the headline and stopped. Um, cause I said that we were all wrong about the Braves and I think we were all wrong about the Braves, but yeah. like, wrong in a sense that like they're better than they should have been. Not in a sense that they're going to win 90 games and make the playoffs. Like, I,
0: I hate to shatter everyone that listens to your podcast, but, uh, but Brad doesn't hate the Braves.
1: It's weird, right? That I was like, well, <laughs> to be fair, like even people that have known me the best, like, uh, our fearless leader, Chris Willis who's known me for a long time was like, I had him read it. I had him read the column ahead of time. He was like, uh, are you okay? because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I know this is this is totally off-brand for me, but I just felt – and by the way, it was not a jinx because the Braves won two more games after I wrote that, so I will not, I will not take any blame for that column. But, yeah, I just – you know, I was feeling optimistic. And look, this is a lot of – it's a lot of fun to watch this baseball team right now. Obviously, this weekend wasn't super fun when they lose three in a row, but I just think it's possible to be wrong about them. I think I was wrong about them, and most people were, um, but in the same breath – I'm not projecting them to make the playoff. I think it's it's a possible outcome. It's not a likely outcome, and that's it's you know it takes some nuance to get there, which people don't appreciate nuance. But I think this is a team that I probably would say, if if you hold a gun to my head and said project their win total, it'd probably be somewhere in the low 80s now, and that is a change from where I was.
0: There's and you know there's there's still things that the Braves can do to make this team even better. Like you can add to the bullpen. Evan Phillips has had a fantastic run. This dude has an insane fastball slider arsenal that he could, if he's able to harness that arsenal, like if he's able to lower that rock uh, walk rate, I think he's got like a, I'm not looking at his fan page, unfortunately, but coming into the season, he's like a five or six walk uh, per nine player. But the past like five or six games, he seemed to harness that and he's striking out people at an elite rate. He's not walking people. This is, could be an arm that could have a, we're not talking about a minor impact. This could be this like uh, adding him if he's continues this run. He would be an elite reliever that we could add to the to the system or to the to the pitching staff. You know there are pitchers, there are pieces that are available to make this team even better than it is. And I don't see the lineup one through one through eight really falling too much. Nick Mark, I mean. Who knows if Nick Markakis is a mirage or not? But based on what he's doing, like it seems legitimate. Everyone else, this is like what you expect from him almost. Uh, if we can get, get consistency in the uh, starting in the in the in the starters, and then these relievers like Corbin Klaus in the uh, waiting in the uh, waiting on the wings, and then Evan Phillips uh, adding to there, you know we could have. A really deep and elite pen to go along with a solid starting staff and a very good offense and then you know who who knows what this team is capable of maybe w maybe wild card two is like nothing and we're and we're challenging for a okay, I'm being way too optimistic let me let me calm down You're allowed. Yeah, wild, no, I mean, wild card 2.
1: by the <laughs> way uh, Phil just to, since i have it, uh, Evan Phillips walk rates uh five five point zero two per nine which is high, but like, he's a guy who this stuff is real in Gordon Clausen. Like, there, I think mean, people always ask me and the podcast, like, what's the quick fix to improve the pitching staff? And it's like, well, the young guys in the minors probably in the bullpen because I don't know. The bullpen's been interesting. I don't think it was, as, I don't think it's as bad as it was early. Uh, the Jose Ramirez stint when it was an implosion and all that fun stuff. But I'm not sure what the bullpen actually is at this point in time. There are only a few guys that I actu- I actually trust. Uh. Let point. me,
0: okay, let me let me calculate this real quick. Yeah. Okay, so over his last six game, Evan Phillips has a 11.4K per nine rate. And then what is the most impressive thing? Everyone knew he had this kind of arsenal. He Everyone knew that he could be an elite reliever, but he's always struggled with his command. Over his last six games, 11K per nine, two walks per nine innings. There you go. Like, he's legitimately looking like someone who could take that next step who could be in, in another not just okay. I, I'm, I'm getting too excited again. Uh, I've watched him before. This guy can be your Andrew Miller. All right. He can be that player who <laughs> is that elite in the pen. You watch what he's capable of. He flashes it and you're like, holy cow, this guy is good, but he's always struggled with his command. Uh, if he's able to take that next step, you have, your, you have your Evan Phillips, your mentor, your, maybe not, like this guy, you know, it's almost seem, seeming like someone that you don't even think about anymore. Um, you have pieces to play with that can form a very solid team. Yep. The end. I'm, I'm done getting everyone excited. I'm done. Yeah, all right.
1: I'm no, done. It'll be a nice change for people <laughs> to listen to this podcast. They'll, they'll wonder what's come over us all, but... Uh, yeah, I think we're uh, on the same page for the most part when it comes to the projection of the rest of the way. And uh, more than anything, let's just have some fun and enjoy this team. Enjoy it, man. It's been very refreshing. I, saw,
0: <laughs> I went, I went on Friday, and I I talked about this on Twitter. It's just like there's so many new people to the game that are enjoying it. And let me let me go on a rant here real quick. Do it. I'm seeing so many new people that don't watch baseball that are coming to the games and enjoying it. And I gotta see, I gotta say, like. People who are acting snotty and they're like, "Oh, this person doesn't know." Like, just stop it. Enjoy it. You got nothing to do with them. Te- like, if they have a question, answer it for them. Like, this team is fun. Embrace it and just enjoy the ride because it's only going to get better. There are so many players that can be such good pieces for this team for the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, they- stop complaining. Be happy. Friday night um, was the largest crowd in Central Park Central Park history. They were selling standing-room-only standing tickets, and uh, that's, I'm not sure it's super sustainable. but, like, they had, they drew 30-plus thousand all three games over the yeah. weekend, and, and, like, there's real buzz. I'm not sure it's going to still be that way if they cool off, but I hope it is. I hope th- the... this team gets fun and um, the fan base grows because, I mean, as we all know, the fan base for the Braves is actually pretty massive, but in terms of just mm-hmm. the, in, in the Atlanta area, it could be bigger and they could sell more tickets, and that may not be anything more than, like, Lion, Liberty Media's pockets, but it would be fun for those of us that get to go down there every once in a while to uh, have a better atmosphere because last year, I mean, the new park is awesome and all that fun stuff um, and just shiny and gives you a reason to go to go check it out. But by, by the end of last year, there wasn't too much atmosphere in that building. No. But this year, if it's uh, if they're on fire and the way that it was this weekend, uh, it could be rocking a little bit in, the, uh, in an old school way. So it'd be fun.
0: What was great was the first two jerseys I saw on Friday were Acuna and Alves. It was it
1: was a couple wearing an Acuna and Alves jersey, and I was like, yeah, you yeah, guys are doing it right. That's I right. mean, if, is, gonna, is, if you're going to invest in a jersey yeah. right now, I would recommend those two guys as my number one and number two options because they're not going anywhere. And uh, as as someone who doesn't really buy jerseys anymore, but in my in my previous jersey buying existence. One of my qualifications was, uh, is this guy going to be around for more than a year or two? And those guys are not going anywhere. Yeah. So no. go ahead and invest if you want to go do that. Uh, anyway, well, thank you, sir. Uh, that's probably good enough for today. Uh, anything you want to plug and get out there before I let you go?
0: No, man. I'm like feeling real good right now. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter. Yes. G V E D A K. I follow love that, making man. gifs. I love talking baseball. If you have any questions please hit me up. Uh, you can also listen to me on my podcast, Road to Atlanta. That's at Road, the number two, Atlanta.
1: Yep, check it out. Those guys do great work. And check out all of our Talking Shop talk guys on Twitter, on the site. Uh, do that fun stuff. Please subscribe to the podcast as well. We would we do, uh, would definitely be doing me a favor in that way. Leave some feedback if you like it. And uh, hopefully you guys will be coming back for more. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll do it again soon.
0: It was fun. Thanks for having me, man. That's
1: for everybody else. We'll be back in the next week unless something crazy happens. And until then, enjoy some baseball and this fun race team.